0: hi everyone uh we are really happy today to have Oli hoscovy who played dr wilfred nagel on the on episode three of the falcon and the winter soldier joining us for a for a special episode of murphy's law um we he was generous enough to join us for a watch party um on friday evening and now we are, are thrilled to sit down and have a little bit longer conversation with him um Oli, how are you doing today
1: i'm doing really well thank you for having me how are you
0: I, I'm great. We're thrilled to have you. Uh, this, is, this is really cool. I think your character um, has been one of the su- big surprises of, of, uh, of the series for a lot of people. And uh, I think we'll, I want to dig into that in a little bit. Um, how are you enjoying this, the show so far?
1: I think it's, I think it's phenomenal. I mean, I can't... I felt this way when the first trailer came out or when the first teaser came out. I couldn't believe that I got to be a part of something that was so massive and gorgeous and thrilling. And I really am blown away, not only by the ambition of the series, but that they're able to completely deliver on that ambition. And there are so many, you know, I mean, it is, it's completely fulfilling as this action adventure, thrilling buddy comedy Like, that level is so phenomenal, but it's also really saying some real things on a lot of not only important topics, but timely topics, and getting to be a part of something that is taking such a big swing and doing it so successfully, um, I really kind of can't believe my luck.
0: Yeah, it's been... It's been, I guess, uh, one of the most viewed show in the world. Too, I think last week they they um, they released some info on that, and it overtook. And my my audience is going to kill me. An anime show that I can't remember maybe it was Attack on Titan. Um, that that Falcon and the Winter Soldier had overtaken. That is the most wow. viewed show in the world. And to your point about about the all the things it touches on, um, it it's crazy to think that. I mean, this this started filming, I guess, like in the fall of 2019. And, and now when you kind of fast forward to here, you would have to think that the writer's room had to be time travelers to have put together all the things that, that, that they've touched on that have come out in the real world in the meantime.
1: Yeah. It's really, it's really, really wild. I think you're exactly right because there are so many things and we're only halfway through the series who knows where it's going to go, but there are so many things that feel they hit so much harder because of the moment that we're in,
0: it's 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 terrifying and it's beautiful, right? It's one of those art imitates life or vice versa things. It, it, it's but it's settled a lot and it's been uh and like you said, we're only halfway through. Um, yeah, like I said, you guys, the the series started filming in fall of 2019. Um, based on kind of where you're in episode three, you probably were <laughs> filming your stuff like in late 2019 or early 2020. And everything was, like, still, still full steam ahead at that time. And then the brakes got got hit. Um, and the show was actually, you know, delayed. It was supposed to come out maybe, like, in the fall of 2020. And then it got delayed and delayed again. For you as an actor, um, what was it like from your standpoint to have to sit back and have really no control over <laughs> any of this and wait and see what happened with the series and with your part in it?
1: I mean, we had no control over anything, right? I mean, there... Yeah. The the entire world was um you know going through this unbelievably challenging time. And so the Falcon and the Winter Soldier just felt like one of dozens of things that I had no control over. Um you know, I mean I I I feel like I was really just hoping that they would be able to complete it safely and without any major headaches or incidents of any kind i I really i really felt for them i really i can't imagine how challenging it is for any show but especially a gigantic show like this to be figuring out how do we schedule things now what are our new protocols and so i definitely did wonder pretty regularly you know i wonder when that'll come out i wonder what it'll look like but I feel like more than that, I was just hoping to sort of send energy or whatever out into the world that they're able to finish it up soon. Because they also didn't have that much left to go. Mm-hmm. So they, they did shut down, um, you know, Not lo- they were most of the way through their shoot. And so I was especially, I was especially bummed for that reason. Because to, to feel like you're so close to the end and then this catastrophe happens must have been so frustrating. When I,
0: I know when I talked to, I talked to Kari Skogland, uh, I guess like three weeks ago, the, the week before the premiere, and she touched on some of that stuff too. And she said, look, we, there's nothing we could do. But once we, once we came back, um, you know, we knew what we, we needed to finish and, and we had a, maybe even a stronger idea of, sure. of where to go because they were able to look at what they'd shot and, and kind of fill in the blanks there um she was awesome when I talked to her she was she was like so it was so fun to listen to her think about how this was like one big movie for her and and then to talk about all the kind of decisions that she made and she was you know she said like yeah we're held to the bar of all these previous movies and everything but really we're just out there um trying to put together the best version of what we think the story should be um can you
1: talk about Kari a little bit oh my god I would love to talk about her a lot um (laughs) she's, she's phenomenal. She's, she's so unbelievably gifted at what she does. And, you know, I've been thinking about it a lot because I, I trust her so implicitly. And I'm really trying to parse out for myself, you know, why you have that instinct on people or why you don't have that instinct on people. But there is something about her. You know, there are things that we did, many, many, many takes of, which I love so much. And then there were certain things that we did a take of and Kari would go, yeah, that's it. That's all we need. And on another director, sometimes when they do one take, you go, did we get it? I don't know if I, (laughs) I don't know if I fully believe you. Um, But something about Kari, she's so, she's so confident in her vision and she's so firm in that vision but it's also so, um, on the other side of that, she's so open to other people's ideas, other people's creativity. And having someone, I don't have a ton of experience with people who are both. There, are, I have a lot of experience with people who are just very open and creative and mm-hmm. loose about whatever happens, happens. And I also have a lot of experience with a lot of people who are incredibly firm and black and white and say this is what it is but to have someone who can counterbalance both of those things beautifully is really extraordinary and I really like I hope I get to work with her a million more times and she's so she loves actors plainly and that shouldn't be an exception but of she, I think I think a big part of it I don't want to speak for her, but I think the big part of it is that she's really excited to see what's gonna happen, and being around that energy is really infectious and makes everyone more comfortable and makes everybody else more excited to do what they're gonna do yeah. and so again, it's the kind of thing that shouldn't be rare, but it is a little bit, and so I just feel lucky to have been around it because it sets a new bar for what what i look for in a director moving forward or what i value in a director moving forward
0: that's really cool and it's, it's interesting you say that because one of the things that she told me that i that sticks with me um and i think it i know it applies beyond the the world of, of acting is she said that i have my job and one of the biggest parts of my job is understanding that everybody else there has their job and they know their job better than i know mine so, hmm. so she said, like these, these. Um, I I have to oversee all these things, but she said I have I have to trust my cinematographer. I have to trust my costume designer. I have to trust the actors to know that they're who they are, who their who their roles are, right? And so when you say that you trust her, and then like it's 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 reciprocated, you know. She she was certainly holding that same value in you guys and trusting that you guys all came to the set. Uh, I remember talking to her because one of the things that I tell my students is we're always, every day we're presuming um, that everyone, we're presuming best intentions. We're presuming positive intentions that everybody in the room is, is there to do their best job. And that's exactly what I heard from her is this, that she comes to set every day knowing that everybody's coming there to, to kick butt.
1: Yeah, I have, I have two teeny stories about her. I mean, I, I could talk for 45 minutes about her. <laughs> um, but my first day was my costume fitting. I wasn't shooting that day. I was just coming in for a wardrobe. It was really early in the morning. It was a 6 or 7 a.m. fitting. And my main thought in that moment was, I don't have anything else to do for the rest of the day. And so I asked one of the PAs, I said, you know, when I'm done with my fitting, is there any way that I can go on set and just watch? Because I feel like it's really valuable for me as an actor, if I can, to get a sense of the flow of things, get a sense of the energy. You never know if a new set is gonna be really tense or if it's gonna be, you know, people are having a good time or whatever. And so it's good if you can to try to sort of be a fly on the wall. And, you know, I think it was Monica, one of the PAs, or I'm so sorry, her name was Megan. Um, I think she sort of walkie-talkied over to the set and said, you know, is it okay if Oli comes and watches? And they said, yeah, sure. And I expected to sort of sit in a corner for an hour or so and get the lay of the land if I could. And Kari immediately, welcomed me and said, I'm so excited that you're here. She introduced me to everyone. She went, this is who's playing Dr. Nagel <laughs> starting tomorrow. And I sat in her director's tent with those people all day long. And she took me around to everyone. She was explaining what she was thinking. And that's just above and beyond. And um, and then my other teeny story is that uh, the top of my sequence, there's uh, that Mel Torme song is playing. Mm-hmm, on I night. love that. And like me that. too. I love it. And that was in the script. That, that exact song was in the script. And, um, and, you know, if a song is in the script, as the actor, I will listen to it and get to the bottom of why might he be listening to that song? Is he always right? listening to that song? Is he forced to listen to that song? Brings up a lot of fun questions. Um, and right before we did a take, I asked Kari, do we have the rights to that song? And she said, what do you mean? And I said, what if he's mouthing the words to it? And I don't think she'll mind me saying in the moment she was not convinced this is because this is a story about how great she is in the moment. She was not convinced, but she said, show me one. I'm not totally sure, but let's see. And then I did a take with it and she sort of came running back onto the set and went, I love it. Yes, that's what it is. And I think a lot of other directors in that moment going, I don't totally know what that would look like, would have gone like, no, definitely not. And I think that she's, you know, she, I I could read on her face in the moment that she was not positive about it. But the fact that she was at least willing to give me one, I think ties into exactly what you're saying, that she trusts her people to have instincts and to, um, to have ideas that maybe she didn't think of. And she might like them or not like them, mm-hmm. but... She's happy to see what people are bringing to the table, and that's that's exciting to be around. I think it makes every single person better.
0: Oh, I I love it, and I that I love so much that the scene with with your character, he's in this lab. Obviously, he's in like, it's a great lab for being in a shipping container. By oh my the way, God,
1: yeah,
0: <laughs> I would Not love even... to have that stuff in my lab at school. Um, uh-huh. So he's he's in this shipping container in this really seedy place. And he is like, obviously, I don't know if it's if he's just so at home and he's just so comfortable in there while he's recreating this world changing serum that he's just singing along to this Mel Torme song. I love that that it added that to the character that he was that, you know, that comfortable in this. Almost like it was just a mundane thing for him to be going along, making this serum that nobody else had been able to make for, you know, <laughs> since, the, since the early 90s when the Winter Soldier program happened. I love that. It, it just it, it's one of those little moments that I don't know, maybe I read more into it than was there. But that, that's what it made me think of.
1: No, I love it. I love that that's how you interpreted it.
0: Before you got this role, what was your familiarity with the MCU? Like, were you a big fan? Were it like a passing familiarity? Where would you put yourself?
1: I would put myself below a passing familiarity and not for any reason. It just wasn't, it wasn't, I mean, I, it was on my radar in the sense that I knew what it was. Mm-hmm. I saw black Panther. I had seen a couple of the Avengers films and always was blown away by the craftsmanship and the performances. And I think it was one of those things that, because I felt like I wasn't there from the beginning, I didn't know how to pick up in the middle. Okay. And was, and I, I know so many people in this quarantine time who have watched all of the films in order Mm -hmm. and um i think i'm maybe just a bit of a completist in that regard and so maybe i felt like if i couldn't do that or if i didn't have the time to do that what's the point of dropping in in the middle um so i had a lot of respect for it and i had a lot of um you know everything i did see i was blown away by but um but yeah, I, I didn't know, I, I really didn't show up knowing a lot about any of it.
0: So with, with that in mind, when I, when I find out who your character is and I realize what you're doing, it's a huge moment in the MCU. Like, mm-hmm. it, it's a, like a watershed moment because <laughs> there's no, like, I think Zemo says the line in the episode, like, once the stuff is out there, it's out there. There's no turning back mm-hmm. now. So with, with you not being familiar do you think that helped you walk into the part and just, and, and maybe like have, have less stress on you over the part or did it, did it make it more difficult? How would you, how do you think that worked out for you?
1: I think it probably helped because showing up to shoot something, knowing that it's important and has a lot of weight, doesn't help me out at least. Maybe, it, maybe there are other actors who would feel differently. But I think there was something that was helpful to me, to feel like this is my character, this is my scene. I'm going to do the best I can. Um, and did you know? Did research, and there are a lot of clues to dig into, and all of that. But in terms of where Doctor N- Wilfred Nagel shows up in the scope of the entire universe, um, I think that maybe would have just made me anxious, and <laughs> I had plenty to be nervous about already. It really wasn't until. Eli, one of the PAs was walking me from my trailer to the set and it was maybe my second or third day of filming. I had done a good amount by this point. And he said, you know, it's a really big deal that you're the guy who's playing this part. And in that moment I was like, is it, <laughs> I really don't, I please tell me, I, I don't know anything. Um, and I think that that, I think it probably helped me. I th- I think I, I could have gotten really tense and really strange if I had known the, yeah. um, the, the, the impact or the, you know, whatever you would want to call it, his standing in the story.
0: Yeah. It's, it's huge. Like the genie's out of the bottle now. And, uh, I know, you know, that's something I'll get to later. Right. I want to dig into, into Dr. Nagel a little bit now. I like, I, I feel so bad that we got such a short time with the guy. Um, oh, so
1: thank
0: you. <laughs> I want to, I want to dig in. Cause I know that you've, You've got some more thoughts about them beyond what we saw on the uh, on the screen there. So this show has done a lot of work in in the gray areas of the MCU where we where we don't always spend a lot of time. Like we've got our heroes, we've got our bad guys, right? But like in this ep- in this series, we've got the Flag Smashers. They're doing bad things, but for good reasons, at least up until this episode where she blows some people up. Um, John Walker, the new Captain America. He's dressed up like a good guy, but we're kind of getting the, the indications here that he might not always be able to be a good guy. We've even seen Bucky kind of get back into some of those shades of gray and do some pretty brutal stuff to people. Mm-hmm. Um, your character, Dr. Nagel, was a Hydra guy. Then he worked for the CIA. Now he's working out of a shipping container in Madripoor, <laughs> which, like I said, is a pretty seedy place. So on your own spectrum of, like, good to bad, black to white, gray in the middle here, where do you put Dr. Nagel?
1: I I have to say, I don't know that I want to answer it only because I don't want to impact anybody else's, um, anybody else's experience or anybody else's opinion. It's been really fun to have people watch it and say what their impressions are. And I think sometimes when an actor says, I think they're this and this and this, I think that sometimes that can rob an audience of their experience. And, um, and, and I'm also a little undecided. I, some people that I'm friends with over the past couple of days have made compelling cases mm-hmm. in a couple different directions. And I also think when you're the actor and the character is maybe engaging in something questionable, you always have to figure out why they are doing it obviously and what very few people are doing evil things for the purpose of being evil. And they're doing evil things because they think it will make the world a better place somehow, um like you said, with the flag smashers mm-hmm. and um and so i I feel a little one, I don't know that I answered it for myself because I don't know that it's useful to my work as the actor mm-hmm. but um but I'm also hesitant to answer because i I would love people to think about it for themselves. Cause there is a lot to kind of chew on there.
0: No, mm-hmm. oh, I like it. And I get it. Cause once you say it, it becomes the definitive take, right? Like then, then Dr. Nagel is this,
1: is this guy. And even just hearing the words definitive take makes me nervous. Yeah. And so, but, but I think there's, I think you can make compelling arguments. You can make, you can make an argument for him being 100% sadistic and, um, you know, terrifying in that way and i think you can also make an argument for he was a guy doing his job doing the best he can maybe someone else has trapped him or kidnapped him or whatever i mean there's there's a lot there like you said i like you said a lot that there are some real shades of gray there
0: i think when you just strictly from from my my point of view and you see this guy who's a scientist and i'm a science teacher and so I'm not a scientist per se, but a lot of science training and I see the guy and he's in the pursuit of, of the recreation of the serum, you know, which obviously is his goal because when like he he's, he's recreated and then he explains that he's even perfected it. I can, I can easily see a guy going to whatever lengths necessary. Once he found that out that he was close to being able to do that. I mean, this is, this is something that's putting him, this is a legacy. This is putting him in the books and maybe he's not convinced right away how this is going to be used. I mean, he's, he, I, I'm sure that as Dr. Nagel's making the serum, he doesn't know that it's going to be given to who, who it's going to be given to necessarily, right? Sure. So that, that's kind of how I think about it. I see the guy as like driven and committed to the to the science and to the goal of recreating this serum, maybe without a thought to the consequences of, of how it gets used.
1: And he says in the scene, you know, mine was going to be... You know, he says that the the bodies weren't going to be mangled Mm -hmm. in the same way. Like, I think that um, and I have one friend who said in that moment, I thought he was a sociopath. (laughs) But I also think that you can hear that and go, oh, he was actually maybe potentially trying to um, do some good with it in Mm -hmm. some way.
0: Well, that, that's how science works, right? Like people always pick up on the work of others and, and try mm-hmm. to improve it, right? It's just, everyone stands on the shoulders of everyone that came before him in science. And so it's, that's where I see him.
1: And like you said, if he feels like he's this close, which I think he does, and he's felt that way for a long time, of course you're going to try to finish it if you can. Mm-hmm. Um, he, yeah. It's fun stuff to think about.
0: It is. It's it's fun, and it's a. I'm I'm glad that you're giving us the opportunity to talk more about it. Because, like I said, I just don't think we got enough time with the guy. Poor guy, he was, it was too it's, short. It's a rough.
1: Um, it's a rough ending for him.
0: Oh, it was too bad. You can, <laughs> and, and oh, to see it coming, it was terrible. Um, in in that scene, uh, even even as he's got Bucky pointing a gun to his head, you've got like literally a mass murderer in your face with a gun. <laughs> you're in a room with, with an Avenger and like a pretty well-known, I guess I don't know how well-known Zemo is to the, to the crowd in the world, but you've got a guy who's pretty slimy in his own right. But in that scene, Nagel comes off like as fairly confident, even so much as to say like, Hey, give me a better offer and and we can work this out. And he doesn't seem too rattled or too shaken. So can you talk a little bit about how the process you went through in determining how you'd play Nagel in those scenes?
1: Yeah, I mean I think that he I think he knows he's in a high-risk line of work. I think that he knows that something like this could happen. Who knows who might come for him and what side they may or may not be on. But I think he's aware also just based on the geography of his location. Yeah. That he's He's a wanted man in any number of ways. And so I think that sometimes people like that, you can't not be aware that you are leading a high stakes life where people are after you and bad things could happen at any moment. And like you said earlier, the hope is that you're able to complete the thing you're trying to complete before something horrendous happens to you. And that was actually maybe my favorite thing to really think about in conceiving the character is not that this happens and he's terrified, but that these people show up and there's a part of him that has been expecting this. And that there is, like you said, he pretty immediately pivots to saying, (laughs) give me a better offer and I'll talk. And so he's either worked out before, you know, if something happens, I have these cards I could play, or he's brilliant enough in that moment under that duress to, um, to you know, maneuver, try to maneuver quickly. And that, you know, the, when you're starting off learning about acting, your teachers always tell you that everything has to have, like, the highest stakes possible. Everything is life or death. And obviously there are a lot of unbelievably high stakes in this Dr. Nagel sequence, but it's interesting to think about what if there's something in him that's actually a little low stakes, or a little passive, that's not really begging for his life, but someone internally doing the math and thinking, Mm -hmm. you know, something like this might have happened, and maybe this is my opportunity to speak about what I want my legacy to be and make sure you understand exactly what I've gone through and what I tried to do. Um, and that was all really, really fun stuff to dig into and much richer than just thinking about a guy getting squeamish because guns are being waved in his face. Yeah. It's really fun to think about someone who's faced with those three superheroes and tries to take the higher status position yeah. Yeah. above them.
0: Oh, I, wow. I loved it. And, and I, I told you before we recorded that, like, I thought I thought of him in my head as a survivor um, right up until yeah. Zemo killed him. Right. So when, when you mentioned that he pivoted pretty quickly, but then you said, you know, he probably thought ahead. And so so I feel like a guy like that. I mean, you worked for Hydra. He was going to certainly people at Hydra weren't always nice to him and patting him on the back, <laughs> telling him he did a good job. Um, who knows under what conditions he came in? I mean, he came into the CIA as basically from this huge criminal organization. They probably weren't super nice to him either. So I'm sure, like you said, he he knew this was coming, and and I I, I like to imagine that he thought ahead, and so he was he was probably more than, more so than thinking on his toes. I I think he's like kind of like the guy that was prepared for pretty much anything because he'd been through a... it.
1: Yeah, I I 100% agree with that.
0: He'd been through it a lot. You mentioned. Um, You you, you know, he knew that he was wanted. And as you were uh, developing the character of Dr. Nagel, did you bring any of your own personal experience of being the most wanted man (laughs) in Finland into that?
1: That's so funny. Um, I wasn't the most wanted man in Finland. (laughs) Um, My dad just... I'm a dual citizen with Finland and the United States, and my dad screwed up the paperwork at one point. And um, and so as a result of that minor paperwork... um, mishap i did have to make an appearance at the un in new york city um it it was it was a similar dr nagel actually like incredibly high stakes and incredibly low stakes because i just had to go like sign some forms at the finnish consulate in new york city but technically until i signed those forms i was an international fugitive and so i didn't i didn't directly draw on that when playing dr wilfred nagel but maybe it's just so deep in my bones that um that it was going to come out anyway because it is part of my lived experience. On this earth. Wild, you yeah. You got science so some funny.
0: paperwork, or else you're an international future. And,
1: <laughs> and honestly, I mean, you never know how you get cast. Maybe Sarah Finn, who casts for Marvel, and Jason Stamy and or Kari. Maybe they did some googling and they went, "Yeah, you know, he's got something that's he can bring to this role. <laughs> yeah, that's what's going to set him apart here."
0: I love it. Um, <laughs> so. I think you had you had what I would say, um, and this is jokingly the second most important scene in the episode because Daniel Bruhl's dancing moment takes the cake. And, and I've never great. identified more with an MCU character in any moment than I than I did with Bruhl awkwardly oh dancing at a at a party. <laughs> and He's in the fact, best. My daughter watched that and she's like, "Dad, that looks like what you would do." And I was like, "Oh man, <laughs> it's, it's probably true." Um, but but the the big reveal in your scene is. Uh, the twenty vials uh, there that there are more than than what we know, and uh you know and you you we talked about this before your 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 nagel took a lot of pride in it. How do you think he feels about i guess what I would say the proliferation of powered people out there at you know now as a result of him like it, he he said he was you know he was a god for for his time for doing this. how do you think he would feel about his work now being complete and and being responsible for this? proliferation of powered people
1: that's such a good question um i don't know i mean i like that that is a mystery do you know what i mean Mm -hmm. I, i think it's nice to sort of let your character keep some secrets or to um to let things be sort of fuzzy or questionable sometimes and that strikes me as um and again that it's maybe part of why he's a really fun character to talk about is because you can see every possibility in, he could feel incredible pride. He could be devastated. He could be just sort of numb to any possibility because he feels like his work is done really. Yeah. Um Yeah. I'm, I'm also not convinced. And this is, I want to be very clear. This is like the actor analysis. This is not, this is not plot. I am aware of this is like, but I'm not convinced he was always doing it. Like, uh, I think it's possible he was forced into some situations. Okay. And maybe that's just my imagining of things. Maybe that's knowing that, you know, he's been sort of trapped in this shipping container for a long <laughs> time. Uh, I, I think, um, again, I want to be as clear as possible that that is just a thing that the actor imagined. But... um you know, I, th- I think there's such a broad range of possibilities with him.
0: And and I think we'll, um, you know, like you said, we've we've got half. We're only we're only halfway through the series, and it's it's uh, to me one of my favorite moments of of um, Captain America: The First Avenger is when Doctor Erskine, like he he's also very short-lived, right? But he has he has his moment with Steve, and he's able to you know describe how how he feels about it. And even though he's short-lived in there, we like, fans remember him, and, and mm-hmm. I think that your character is going to be in that same boat. Like, like, he's going, whatever happens here in these next few episodes, whatever happens with these other vials of serum, people are going to always tie that back to him. I think your character is going to have, for, for having, you know, a, a short amount of screen time, he's going to have a very long-lived legacy in, in the MCU moving forward, <laughs> I think. And, uh, you know, and I guess, well, it's up in the air, right? Like, we don't know. We don't, it's, a lot of it might depend on who ends up with these, these other vials. Totally.
1: Yeah, I, I do. I see what you're saying, though. Like he does loom large over over a lot of it. And, and that's a fun kind of part to play where it's maybe not a ton of screen time. It's maybe not a ton of whatever, but you can feel the impact of them or you can feel the ripple effect. And um, and again, that's that's all the credit to me, to those writers and the people who are plotting this out. Yeah,
0: I, and I could only, like you said, I could only guess here myself, but th- this has to have a huge impact on you know the rest of this phase in the MCU. Like, we, know, we know this stuff's out there now and God knows who gets a hold of it, right? That can only have a, a huge impact on things. So <laughs> I, I think it's a, a, a very big legacy for the character. I really do.
1: It's, All it's right. so funny to hear that and to think about you know that moment when I was walking to set with Eli because I was just so in the dark about so many of those things, I was an actor trying to do their job well, right? Without the awareness of of something like that. Oh, I, I
0: I can I can totally empathize with that because if I if I had been the person, and I had known, I would have probably had an anxiety attack on my way to set. I wouldn't. I would have been. I can't do it. Can't do it. Not today. Not today. Um, yeah. yeah I think it was for me it would I'm I'm where you are it would have been way easier for me to just know very little and been like hey I'm the guy that made this blue stuff let's go <laughs> that would have been
1: Yeah I like, I felt like I got I got one scene to focus on here I want to focus on that and I don't want to spin out over mm-hmm. any number you're you know you're nervous enough you don't need <laughs> you don't need, don't need more it, when I you're thought. showing up to do one of those jobs
0: Yep All right so your character Works for the power broker who has loomed large over this whole series. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, your character, Dr. Nagel, knows who it is. Sure, do you know who it is? And if not, do you have a theory about who it might be?
1: One, I do not know. Two, I think I've had moments where I've had multiple theories, or I've, I've bounced between possibilities. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, I, if I were more of an expert on the Marvel canon, maybe I would have even more theories. Maybe there are people I'm not aware of who are big power broker contenders. But um, yeah, I'm going to find out when everybody else does. And that's really funny to think about because the character, like you said, has a very close relationship yeah. with that person. And um, I have... <laughs> no relationship to that uh factual information
0: that's it is funny because in in the episode the way it's the way they portray the character the power broker at least zemo says he knows of them but doesn't know who he is Mm -hmm. um and as far as we know yeah your character is the only one who is certain of the identity may well other than the people who we saw that work for the power broker in episode one or two or whoever. but yeah your character would have the the direct line
1: or do they? I mean it's people like that sometimes again as an international fugitive I have some yeah. I have some knowledge about these things. Um, you know, people very powerful, mysterious people sometimes communicate through back channels or True. through like a chain of something. And so I that occurred to me while I was while I was, you know, doing my script analysis and things like that, getting ready to work, that it's possible that I have no clue who that person is. I mean, not no clue, but right. it's possible that the relationship is not, you know, they're not texting or mm-hmm. something. It's not a direct right. relationship. Could be, it
0: could be any number of things. And knowing Marvel uh, and and the secrecy around which they, you know, the way they guard their secrets, it's it's no big surprise that they don't want that one out of the bottle. I think the big fan theories that we always get at the site are uh, Thunder, people think Thunderbolt Ross from the Incredible Hulk is, is the guy here who's going to come back around and, uh, he seems to be like the leading candidate in, in, mm. the, in the betting polls here, who's going to be the guy. Um, well, I hope,
1: I hope that it is surprising, and I hope that it is satisfying. And I think the series has a really good track record so far of being both of those things. And so I'm excited to find out when everybody else does. It's and so is I- Dr. Wilfred Nagel. I can speak for him <laughs> on that.
0: Speaking from from the grave, Dr. Nagel is, <laughs> is thrilled. Um, what are we gonna be able to see you in next? What's 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 your next project?
1: You know, I don't have an answer at the moment. I am I am auditioning enthusiastically <laughs> for many things and a lot of things have come very close. I mean, you know, it's still it's still a moment where there are not a ton of jobs available. I think that over the next couple months I think that'll start to straighten out a little bit. Mm-hmm but um i am i am on the market at the moment i'm hoping to find i'm hoping to find something that feels like an exciting follow up to this and that can mean 300,000 different things it can right. be a type of a part or a type of project or something but um but like i said i mean the marvel and kari and those actors and that crew i mean they they set the bar pretty high once you've once you've had that wonderful experience. And so I'm crossing my fingers that things show up soon that feel like they're in line with that. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm hoping that I will have something to tell you soon. We're,
0: we're crossing our fingers for you. I mean, we're, I'm i I'm a big fan. I think I love the work that you did and I'm, I'm absolutely can't wait to see whatever you get into next. It's, it's fun to Thank get it for us for me. Um, to just get a chance, you know, to sit and talk to you, and then, like, here you are on the TV, and here you are <laughs> in, in a movie that I'm going to say it's it's so crazy to me. I still haven't adjusted myself to being fortunate enough to talk to to actors and to people like you who get to do all these awesome things that I'm such a fan of.
1: Thank you so much. I I feel so fortunate too, and um, yeah, hopefully, hopefully there will be some good news to report soon
0: we'll look out for it and we'll make sure that we share it as soon as, as soon as we find it.
1: Thank you. And I mean, I mean I'm going to be, you know, I'm going to be chasing Kari down for her next, her <laughs> next project. Sebastian and I have talked a lot about things that we would like to do together, people that we would like to work with together. And um, we're both, you know, big theater nerds. And so mm-hmm. um, I'm, I'm someone who, you know, once I like working with someone, I just want to continue working with them. And so, hopefully down the road i'll be able to find some of these wonderful people again
0: i hope so i know i know you mentioned on friday um matt shackman from that that was the <laughs> director for wandavision was also a big theater guy before um mm-hmm. his tv work and maybe even still i guess i don't know oh maybe yeah still he still band,
1: runs so. a theater in los angeles
0: that's awesome it's it's cool to me to think it, it is it is a different medium i'm still acting but it's it's a little bit of a different thing, and I and I think it's really it's fun to watch, um, Marvel really expand on the pool of actors that they're drawing from. Right mm-hmm. there, there's certainly it isn't like they've just got this pipeline to one place and they're just pulling people out of it. They're they seem when they audition to have like it's wide open, and they're really I know I know that with. Um, Doctor Strange for one of the roles in Doctor Strange they were actually specifically looking for someone with theatrical experience Hmm. so I think it's really it's really cool to see them kind of you know I guess to make that umbrella wider and wider to to see what what talent they can find
1: yeah and I mean I truly I mean I can't believe my luck that I got to be part of it
0: um I asked this question to everybody as and uh if we don't have an answer we'll just edit it out (laughs) Um, but you, you will do interviews and, and a lot of times it's just us on our side of the camera, babbling at you and asking you stuff that we want to ask you. Is there anything that you wish someone would ask you? Is there a question that you'd like to answer that you never get asked?
1: Whoa, that's such a good question. Um, I mean, aside from, you know, like, why are you so smart or like, how (laughs) are you, how are you so stunning to look at? Um, uh. I mean, you did a great job with the the Finnish fugitive <laughs> digging research. Yeah. Um, oh, that's such a good question. I don't know. Um, I will say that when I was thinking about possible questions or possible ways these conversations could go, mm-hmm. I and I, I said something similar the other night on the um, in the Q&A we did that uh maybe this is just my shameless opportunity to say that katherine Hahn is my favorite yes. actor and so that if dr wilford nagel could find his way to agatha somewhere in the marvel <laughs> cinematic universe um so i guess maybe the question i want to be asked is would you like to do a marvel series with katherine Hahn? and i and in that moment i would say you know where do i sign
0: Listen, we can. Kevin can make it happen. I don't have his phone number, but I know that he's gonna. I, I know that if I put out the wrong thing on Twitter, he's gonna find out about it. And uh, look, I mean, you've got a. You've been around a, at least since 2014 in the MCU. Agatha's been around since like the 1600s. There's no reason your paths couldn't have crossed here.
1: Fully agree. I fully agree. So thank you for.
0: And Kevin's gonna make this happen. Uh, you you tell you get on the <laughs> phone with Sebastian and Kari. And tell them this has got to happen.
1: Yeah, if if they could just send a text for me really quickly.
0: <laughs> I think I think he'd be super responsive to it. I think, and <laughs> and, and I can't I can't agree more with you about Katherine Hahn. She's a she is oh my national treasure.
1: I'm I'm thrilled that it feels like. I mean, I've never met her. I have no personal stake in the matter besides being a longtime fan, mm-hmm. and so I'm I'm happy that it feels like a whole new group of fans have seen her extraordinary genius.
0: <laughs> yep, so it was she was wonderful. Even my my daughter, my youngest daughter is 12 and uh this would have been her first experience with her and now mm-hmm. she has an Agatha All Along t-shirt and some Agatha All Along socks and she's oh she's on the bandwagon.
1: <laughs> I love it. It's it's a it's a wonderful bandwagon to be on. I welcome your daughter onto the <laughs> as a long time a long time resident of the bandwagon.
0: Perfect. All right, that was Oli, I'm out of questions. And that was 40 plus minutes, which I am so grateful for. I didn't expect it to, to go that long. This was awesome.
1: I'm so happy it worked out. All
0: right, guys, that does it uh, for our, our interview with Oli Hoskavy. This was absolutely fantastic. We're so grateful for your time, Oli. Um, can you tell the, to, the listeners where they can find you online, on social media, wherever?
1: Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm only on Instagram. Um... And my handle there is my first name, OLLI, my middle initial A, and my last name, HAASKIBI. And yeah, you know if you' if you're on Instagram and feel like looking at my photos, <laughs> that's where you can do it. and we'll we'll tag that when we put this out. We'll
0: put your Instagram tag in there. Um, thank you again for joining us. It was thank an you. absolute pleasure.
1: I had such a good time. Thank you.